0: Hello everyone, and this is our second rest day here on the Cycling Dane podcast exclusive. And of course, as always, thank you to every single one of you who have tuned in on the Cycling Dane Extra channel for all the recaps and previews to come as well. But uh, yeah. Today to discuss what's happened in the second week of racing is none other than Patrick Blake of Aldo Cycling and one third of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. And I mean, Patrick, yeah, we've kind of, we've covered a lot of it. We, again, like last week, we didn't do the Sunday recap for traffic reasons, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, Rucosta getting the win there was a very popular win for Intomache, who have had a bit of a wonky season by their standard compared to last year, obviously. Uh, Ru Costa, such a phenomenal rider, and, and many people thought that him coming here was to not well to but into my was kind of just a fading into obscurity kind of a retirement. But yeah, I, anyway, Patrick, yeah, I'll let you speak as well. Second <laughs> yeah. week, how has it been?
1: Uh, well, the second week has only been six stages long, which seems a little bit weird that you know a week is seven days, but anyway, yeah, so six days, it feels weird that the TT is what has been this week which of course Scanner won ahead of Evenepoel that was a little bit of a surprise because Evenepoel was the favorite going into there but I think you know things haven't been going exactly Evenepoel's way this week let's say um, you know that was certainly evident later on when we got on to the Tourmalet stage where he was dropped even you know I think it was on the The obisk, which I think he was dropped on. You know, that was still 80 kilometres to go. But yeah, then Avnopouls repurposed himself into a bit more of a breakaway rider and a guy guy who goes to the the KOM classification too, which is quite interesting to see actually such a a dominant world-class rider go for breakaways. Usually it's kind of like not the top tier guys, but kind of like the second tier guys who go for breakaways. So it's quite interesting to see how he plays the breakaways obviously he didn't win that one with Rui Costa he was in the group behind Mia. we've also had a win for Milano with an outstanding lead out from uh, Rui Oliveira and there was also the win for Jesus Herrada uh, ahead of Andreas Kron and Roman Gregoire and Garant Thomas who despite the best efforts of Filippo Ganna, uh, couldn't quite capitalize on that Garant Thomas went down as well yesterday did you see that um, on the stage which grew Costa one uh, Thomas once again has uh, has hit the deck. And uh, yeah, I know, I've said this before, but where there's smoke, there's fire, and he is, you know, he, he's just like smoking all over the place because mm-hmm. like a guy who crashes that much, um, you know, I, I feel like that there's something maybe that he's doing. But anyway, that's a whole different discussion topic. Put um, some
0: respect on his name. Second place at the Giro Tour de France winner. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. I think yeah. he's just having a really bad... Yeah, the fact that he's continuing fair play. Because, uh, mm. yeah, he, he is a tough cookie to crack, as we know. What was it? His, his hip or something that like, he broke during w- one of the Tour de France's and he still continued. I think he's, like, one of the real hard men of cycling.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he is. I don't think... You know, I think most people in his scenario would have left the race already. So, chapeau to G for continuing to do the race and just kind of get it done.
0: You mentioned Remco, and Mm. arguably he's been the main talking point of this week because of the fall, the redemption, or whatever. Many people didn't agree with it being called a redemption because he's a GC rider, like you said. And I think it's quite cool when you see... The break, these big, the big guns in the breakaway when they have nothing to go for because you see just the difference as well, like how powerful the big guys are compared to the B list. Like you said, like he rode, he rode most of that stage. Well, when he we eventually got a gap with Bardet, most of that he was on the front because Bardet was like, "Well, you are the stronger guy, so you do all the work." and then he yeah. just rode his, him off the wheel which I thought was incredible obviously we had uh, the interview with with Barday over on the recap when we did it uh, for that stage on Saturday but yeah yeah i th- i think it's going to be really really interesting seeing Remco being so aggressive but mm. did we actually hear what the reason was for his big crash on the no crack on the Tour melee?
1: um i've seen Multiple reasons, I think it's, it's hard to say. I, I think not a lot of people know exactly. I don't think it was illness that was quite quickly wiped off of the list of things. The team say he wasn't ill, Renko said he wasn't ill. I don't think it was a, a fueling thing, just I don't know, just for some reason he had bad legs on the day, which you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are listening to this podcast who have who ride bikes and sometimes you do just go out on a ride and for whatever reason you you're just not feeling it on that day and I presume Remco like the rest of us just had a bad day and uh, could just couldn't push the watts which were required Um, which is a bit of a shame because I think that well I don't know it's a shame but it's also a blessing in in both ways because it's a bad thing because Remco's out of the GC fight, which would have been really cool to see him try and fight against Yuba Visma, who was so dominant on the tourmaline, which I'll be, we'll talk about in a little bit. But now we get to see Remco going with breakaways and like you say, dominate them in that sense. So it's kind of, you get that kind of breakaway um, dominance as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, so, so it's a bit of both. I think it's it's a good thing, but a bad thing. Uh, obviously, we talked about on the Echelon Cycling Podcast, we talked about what this kind of means for Remco, like Tour de France next year, and how you know you can't have these bad days anymore if you're going to be a big Tour de France champion. So I think that it certainly uh, provides some questions for quick steps to take forwards into next season as to why these bad days seem to kind of crop up in in Remco's performances. I mean...
0: Yeah, we might as well touch on Jumbo Like touch on Jumbo. I mean, they've been dominating this week, if if we're honest. There's n- nothing nothing more to say other than that called the turmoil stage, where we see Jonas Wingo attacking off the front, wins the stage. But then the more surprising thing, obviously being Sepp Kus finishing second and then Primoz Roglic third, like... We've seen the one-two-three in Paro Bay back when Johan Museo won there. Liege, Bastien-Liege, that was quite controversial when there was three riders who finished one-two-three. But yeah, in modern cycling, we spoke about this on the Echelon as well and the recap race analysis, that Sky has been the closest, not even the Lance Armstrong era, whatever you think of Lance Armstrong, there was never this team destruction of... Uh, of a stage. I mean, Rishi Port, Chris Froome, that was, yeah, I can't remember the exact year, but there was one year where, must be in 2014 or 15, uh, no, not 2014, that was the nibbling year, but, uh, where, Chris Froome, goes off the front, drops Albo to Contador, no one can, respond there, basically painted to the ground, and then Rishi Port, looks around, notices no one can respond, and then he, just solos off as well. So it's a one, two sky, but yeah. What did you make of this? Obviously we've talked about over on the Echelon Cycling Podcast, but that doesn't come out until later today. So if you're listening to this before the Echelon 34 is coming out, well done you, but yeah. Uh, What did you make of it? Just incredible dominance.
1: Yeah, it was, it, it was just insane, wasn't it? Never seen anything like it at all. I remember doing the race recap with you and I was like, this you know, I've been watching the sport for a decade and I've never seen anything like it on a mountain stage. Of course we did see Yumbo do one a one two three in Paris last year on stage one, I think it was, where they had Batmanart, Roglic and Laporte winning. So I guess they're not completely un, unknown to getting a one two three on a stage. I also remember what was it it might have been like Vuelta Burgos last year where there was a terrible crash over a speed hump. I think they got one, two, three as well. So it's not a team unprecedented to it, but doing it on a mountain stage is something else. Like against the caliber of riders that were there. Yeah, Remco wasn't there, but you know, there was still a very good there's still a very good Henrik Mass Ayuso, Idees Brooks who was really doing fantastically on that stage as well. You know, it's so hard to probably win it. I guess it, in a way, is if you were to say, "Oh, there's all these riders and they're in these respective forms," you would actually say, "Well, maybe it's not massively surprising." You know, Jonas and Roglic, you probably expect to be up there. Saccus just on an absolute flyer right now. In the Vuelta, could certainly win this this race outright. Yeah, it it was just insane to see them do that. And yeah, you got to tip your hat to them because you know, obviously they just they've literally just dominated everyone else. And I think that <clears throat> I think everyone else is now going to be a little bit of a odds and ends as to how to how to respond to this. Like, what do you do? Can anybody do anything? Is the welter just over right now into the final week? We've still got the angle route to go. There's still like the stage after the angle route is really tough too. Lots of category ones. Is it just going to be a lot of breakaway victories or kind of what are Jumbo going to do here? Um, I think it's very interesting to see what's going to happen into this final week.
0: I mean, we we didn't really go out and uh, through the top 10. We might as well just quickly do that. Seb Kuss leads Roglic by one minute and 37. Seven seconds behind him is Jonas got one minute and 44. Wana Yuzo, fourth place, two minutes and 37 seconds down. So already a minute down on Roglic. Two minutes 37 down on Sepkus. Then you've got Enric Mas, three minutes and six seconds. Mikhail Landis still hovering inside the top 10, four minutes and 12 seconds. Vlazov, five minutes and two seconds. His younger teammate, ninth place in that outer Brook zone, like you said. Um, and then Joao Alameda rounds out the top 10, eight minutes and 39 seconds. And you have David De La Cruz on the fringes at nine minutes 25. But yeah Uh, do you expect this top 10 to change a lot I mean we're already saying that top three as much as we hate to admit it because we don't well I am a Yombo Visma fan I will say that but I don't like when a team dominates then that takes the fun out of it it takes the excitement it takes the the reason we watch sport like that's why I didn't tune into Formula 1 when Mercedes were just wiping the floor. Okay, I'm more Max Verstappen fan, so actually I like this now. But, uh, yeah, it takes something out. We are missing the Tarabagacha, the on-form Remco, like you've said. Uh, even a Chris Froome, throw him into. Like, Ineos are absent here. What was Carlos Rodriguez doing at the Tour of Britain? Not here. But, yeah, what do you expect to see here? Bora, do you think they're going to finish with two riders? UAE? potentially three riders <laughs> in there, which was also quite impressive.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think Yeah, I think exactly what you just said. I think Yumbo get three in the top ten, Yui get three in the top ten, and Bora get two in the top ten. I think the biggest mover I'm expecting in this final week is Itabrooks, considering his tour play performance. I think that You know, he was putting minutes into some of the guys ahead of him. I think that he could honestly leapfrog Vlasov and Lander and maybe go up into seventh. He was also kind of gaining on Solaire, who was struggling a little bit on the Tourmalay as well. So Angleru might be very telling. I do think that Eidsbrook's could move up to seventh or sixth place, but I think that everyone else is going to remain pretty status quo, I expect. Um, I'm not convinced about a Yuzo. Moving up onto the podium, to be honest with you, I don't think that Jumbo Visma will allow that. I think that they will be quite defensive in their riding, because they obviously see an opportunity here. You know, they say, "Oh, we're," you know, it doesn't matter which rider wins, and that's very true. But I think that they'll be very keen to hold on to this first, second, and third, because when was the last time that happened? <laughs> you know, Jumbo Visma could stamp for like literally end the season with a bang on the final grand tour, first, second, third, maybe getting first with a different rider as well, um, in Septus, who'll be a grand tour winner like debutante, you know. I think that they will be quite eager to hold on to the scenario as it is. So I don't really see a user moving up. Sorry, UAE fans. I just don't think that Yumavisma will allow that. So I think that yeah, i to move up. I think that maybe, yeah, Las of Landa moved down a place or two. And I think that everyone else remains pretty, pretty stationary, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think Almeida will drop out top 10 in, in, and be replaced by De La Cruz or whatever. Maybe a, a wild Remco goes on a breakaway again and gains eight minutes once more and moves up into the top 10. That's certainly a possibility as well. Um, but yeah, I think the top 10 is largely set in stone right now, aside from a couple of movers.
0: Yeah, I'm quite impressed. Remco's is, yeah, 16 minutes down. He's not that far away from a top 10. So that, that would be quite a interesting one. We spoke about that on the recap, whether he might not be allowed to go and break away soon. But, uh, yeah, something we haven't really focused on, and we might as well. Uh, we are on the verge well not quite there's still rule, the like you said there's pl- plenty of opportunities for any of these riders to go absolutely bang but like it's not really something Yombo Bisma riders to do even when Roglic was was losing Laplanche de Belfi, it wasn't him going bang it was Pogachar being exceptional i think a lot of people forget that that it was actually Roglic was actually doing a pretty good power effort it was just Pogacho was out of this world but i mean 2020 aside um yeah Sepp kurs are we really looking at the reality of him being the first american rider to win the vuelta españa since chris horner i mean you put it very well as well he's done all three grand tours this year and he was he was pivotal for Roglic winning his his giro like without Sepp Kus, he's not winning that one uh, with Jonas as well, he obviously did a good job there. And he's just been part of all of these great victories for them. So, is this the way that Jonas and Roglic are paying back this loyal lieutenant? Because, I mean, 1 minute and 37 seconds on Roglic, that's quite a lot considering how good uh, Sepp Kuz is climbing.
1: Yeah, I don't think that Roglic and Jonas would have intentions of trying to topple... Sepkus from the top of from the top step because that would be that will be a bit snaky to do that I think uh even your business would probably be a bit like oh let, let's just let, let's not do that they'll try and keep things as it is because you know why would why why would they try and attack Sepkus and try and put their teammate in jeopardy like it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense it goes against like the cycling rule book like you just you don't kind of attack or close down your teammates um, it's just kind of like a given so I do think that Sepp Kuss could certainly win this uh, that was you know my prediction of the echelon I I think that there's no reason why Sepp Kuss, barring a massive bad day will lose this welter in my opinion yeah
0: it's, you've made this point as well it's quite impressive considering three grand tours and he crashed in in the tour and then he's here on absolutely exceptional form but uh you yeah, know what was I gonna say in terms of like yeah I I think you're right it's PR gold as well American rider huge market America obviously it's been suffering a bit over uh, late so like getting someone like this to win it but Okay, so you said the unwritten rule is you don't attack your teammate in the leader's jersey, which is true. What did you make of the call de Tourmalade stage then? Because Jonas did attack the leader's jersey.
1: I think it's because Jonas was far enough down on GC where it was permittable. And they could control it quite well. And that, you know, if, he, if they could keep him at like a minute gap. And then they could kind of moderate that. Um so I think that that was okay, in my opinion. I don't think there was I, I you know, I, I think that was fine. Especially considering that Jonas was the only one of the three to have not won a stage in this welter so far. So that's just like another box ticked, is that they all get their stage victory in this race as well. Um, you know, you got to try and appease all the leaders, which Yumavismo are doing incredibly well in this race. Balancing everyone's wants and needs, I think that was okay. You know, it's not brilliant, but I, I do still think that it's fine that that Jonas went and got that because yeah, he was like three minutes down or whatever um it was at the time. So they could be like, okay, Jonas, you got a minute now. Keep it about this effort, and you know, even if the other guys fall too far behind, they can set pace a little bit or whatever. So I think that was all right. Um you know, if Jonas fully went out, like all out, and almost took GC or did take GC from Sepcus, then this would be a completely different podcast, and Cycling Twitter would have had an absolute meltdown a few days ago. But alas, that did not happen. So I think that Yumbizma had it under wraps uh, as to stopping Jonas from going absolutely awol and trying to like derail this Sepcus, uh, the GC Cus dream that everyone is kind of on the hype train of.
0: I mean, yeah, we might as well finish with predictions as well. We did it last week, and uh, who do you think is going to win on the Angleroo? Let's start with that.
1: Ooh.
0: Hugh Carthy last time, I remember.
1: I think that, oh, I mean, it's just
0: bound to be a younger Visma rider. Is it, though? Because if, if they're playing a defensive, Remco going all-out attack, it could be. And then Remco blows up and someone's on Remco's wheel.
1: It could be Remco because, yeah, he's got the KOM points now, but on the on the Angleroo stage, there's the two Cat Ones and then there's the Angleroo. So it depends whether Remco goes in the break to try and snatch up the easy two Cat Ones rather than trying to fight for the Angleroo where he might not win. And he won't get as many points, so I think it's tricky to say. I think if it's full-flight Remco and he decides, I'm I'm mixing with the big boys today, and he attacks, and you know they're like, dude, he's 16 minutes down, it doesn't matter. But then again, Yuba Visma are very well-renowned for closing down moves, which they don't need to close down. They've done that a lot of times because they sometimes don't think completely logically like when Jonas was in the break yesterday and they closed that down, or when they closed down Tali Pagaccia on the Champs-Élysées, or when they closed down Sam perin in the Tour of Britain. The list goes on, people. Um, Just saying, that's my little dig there. Um, So even if Remco did attack and he's 60 minutes down, there's no reason why Jumbo might be like, oh, we take offence to that and we are therefore going to close this down. I honestly think that Jonas will win it. I think Jonas will win up Anglerou. I think that he could leapfrog Roglic and go into second place and Roglic goes into third. I just think that Roglic hasn't looked quite as good over this last few days compared to what we saw in previous in the week. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go Jonas for Anglerou, but Sepkus holds on to, to red
0: reason I have to pick another one now obviously I was going to pick a Jonas but he, he'll he not <laughs> win if I pick him okay I'll go for Juan user because I think I well on the previous predictions I went for Jonas Bingo for called de Tourmalet, and then Remco Venepo for the stage after and the recaps and that happened it didn't happen the next one I can't remember who I went for but uh, yeah uh yeah, Juan who's gonna win the welter. We've already covered this over in the echelon, but that comes out later. And uh yeah, okay. It's I'm gonna say you want to bingo. You're gonna say sepcourse. So uh even though you didn't say sepcoos in the echelon, but uh yeah. Uh it's yeah, it is what it is really. Ineos, yeah. what are you doing? Like guys, come on. They just really nowhere. Really like despair. who's the best Ineos rider? Carlos Rodriguez would have been a great addition to that welter team.
1: Yeah, I do feel like I don't know, but Ineos were also plagued with some crashes. Yeah, you that's know, true. They've lost. They and... lost to the Rensman. They lost de yeah. the Plouc. I do feel like de could have won a stage in this race. To be honest with you, um, but that's that's just my two cents on it. Yeah, I, I think that Ineos maybe missed a trick in this race. I do think their the Tour Tor Britain team was pretty strong, actually, in comparison to the Welter team. So maybe they could have looked things a bit differently. But they were also expecting a big GC fight from G, and things didn't go that way. So, you know, best laid plans and all that, you know, it, it just went out the window because of crashes and bad luck. And, you know, you can't fault them for going in with a plan but then the plan falls through so yeah. and I then I mean
0: they're still
1: getting the stage with Ghana
0: so they haven't left with nothing at least it's true but anyways that's it for this Vuelta España rest day exclusive here on <laughs> exclusive here on the podcast and make sure to join us over on the Second day in extra for all the various different recaps and previews for next week and obviously on the second day main channel we're also going to be doing the live streams if skype actually agrees with me this time but uh we also have the echelon coming out so check that out later on but uh yeah as always check out patrick's own channel as well Audu cycling and thank you for listening and we will see you around